All right, welcome to Insight Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about everything in the world of film and TV. Uh, let's get into it. Well, first, let me introduce ourselves. My name is Mike. I'm here with uh, my brothers, Richard and Raymond. Uh, we are three cinephiles. Uh, we like to get together on a weekly basis to talk about the things that we watched and also the things that we read in in in, in the world of uh, film and TV. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, there was a couple big uh, headlines. Uh, most recently, I guess let's start with uh, Deadpool 3. They just announced that they're going to make a Deadpool 3. It's going to be the first film, first Deadpool film in the MCU. Ryan Reynolds is back, but also a special guest is coming back. Who is that, Rich? Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Um, but I'm not 100% convinced that it'll be totally linked to the MCU. Uh, although it was teased, I think they're going to keep it with the uh, Deadpool, uh, you know, uh, world, whatever, where it was not, he's not exactly part of anything, mm-hmm. not, not really attached to, uh, you know, any uh, true I, franchise. I agree. I agree with Rich, but I think they're going to kind of do it in the way, like, basically, I guess, like, and in, in like, uh, like a Deadpool run from the comics or something like that. Like, it is part of the Marvel Universe. But, you know, he's never really going to partake in the main storylines. But we we can see, you know, I guess, like, maybe, like, Captain America or Iron Man pop up oh, in this yeah. movie. But it's not going to affect, you know, the continuity of, like, the other, you know, main MCU movies. At least I don't think. That's my that's my guess. Yeah, it'll be sort of like a borderline parody. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they were doing with the, with the X-Men movies, right? I mean, he yeah, never well, really, like, yeah. he never really entered the X-Men universe. Maybe he... He did kind of, you know, comment on it, and they would have actors from those movies show up, but he was yeah, never but, really part of their universe. And the Colossus was never uh, that uh, Colossus. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there there have been some, uh, I guess you could say, backlash over Hugh Jackman coming back as Wolverine. Mm-hmm. There has been really. Well, they they liked the idea that he, his final Wolverine role was in Logan. Mm. But they did they did tweet out uh, today that um, <laughs> explaining that Logan took place on 2029, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So this will obviously be before then. Yeah, still, I mean, it died, technically I, I, still alive. <laughs> I mean, Logan kind of lives on I, its own, also, own world anyway. Yeah. Also, remember this this is like the whole multiverse that the, the multiverse yeah. phase that Marvel's in. So, I mean, we're probably going to see multiple Wolverines in the movie. Yeah, you never. Yeah, that'd, that'd be weird. Yeah, well, maybe we'll, they'll finally get their uh, Zach Efron version. Oh, I was thinking we'll probably see like we'll probably see Hugh Jackman in like the the brown and yellow Wolverine suit, and also the blue the blue and yellow, and <laughs> yeah. and we'll see you know a, a, maybe even like a, a, a an old man Logan that's more like the comic book version, not the one from the the James Mangold movie or something like that. Like they'll they'll do some wacky stuff. Yeah, uh, I was shocked that uh, the Hugh Jackman didn't show up in Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness. I thought for sure that was going to be one of the cameos. I was I was sure about that as well. Yeah, back then I thought Tom Cruise was going to show up as Iron Man. Uh, we all thought some crazy <laughs> stuff, and then we all went to go see the movie, and we're like, "This was it." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure no matter what, it's going to probably be better than a lot of the recent uh, Marvel products that we've gotten lately, just because um, they're going to keep the same team and. I think they're going to want to spice things up. It seems like, and they mentioned, and Ryan Reynolds mentioned this in his little announcement video, but you know, they're always trying to, you know, or they're trying to make each Deadpool movie, you know, its own thing and completely different from the previous one. So it should be something I think unique and fresh, hopefully. 
Yeah, and uh, Kevin Feige uh, promised uh, years ago that the the that when they do continue on the Deadpool series, that it would be rated R, and that'll be mm-hmm. the only one rated R. I mean, uh, seems like I mean, uh, in other news lately about um, uh, Blade. Well, yeah, let's get into Blade. Uh, Blade yeah. re- recent. There's a recent news item about how the director left the project, which which could have been uh, rated R too. I mean, it, it, it actually should. Yeah, and also you know, we're always getting like PG thirteen like vampire movies and theaters like horror movies, so it, it makes right. sense to do a Marvel movie that way. Well, the bigger story about the Blade uh, snafu here is that the mm-hmm. that the main star uh, Mahershala yeah. Ali. Who was cast a while ago to be to to reprise or not to reprise but to play Blade? Uh, mm-hmm. That he has been frustrated with the project for a long time, and 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 the director uh, certainly he's been frustrated because he actually left mm-hmm. the project. And um, but do you think he actually left the project or that he was fired? And this is just what they're putting out there because I mean this isn't like a big you know director. It's not like you know Steven Spielberg leaving the project or something like that. And this is like a, a nobody, right? And I just find it very weird that, like, why would you leave, you know, like your your ticket to fame? Well, um, I think it was just too much pressure for him um, because there the 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 uh, the date was set for twenty twenty four twenty twenty no uh, November November third twenty twenty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's way too close. But but then well, again, they have so, the had... movie, right? Would, yeah, but then again, so. they had way too much. Uh, they had plenty of time to to get this straight by now. And but that's the problem with Marvel, right? I mean, Marvel is uh, they're rushing everything. Yeah, the production schedules are off, and there really doesn't seem to be like any overhaul kind of managing over this type of stuff. And like we said, we like we said before, um, Sam Raimi had similar problems when he shot the the, the Doctor Strange Doctor Strange Doctor Strange film. Uh, it seems like Taika Waititi had problems. You know, every time they go into a, a project, it has to be loose. The script has to be loose because it changes uh, every other month. You know, because of these continuating um, storylines, and so that's the kind of the main problem with 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 Marvel nowadays. It's too many storylines going on, and they all have to connect somehow, and so they kind of make a, a weaker storyline. Um, so I don't know. And Blade, you know, like Blade could have, could have lived off its own universe. It could have been the Marvel well, horror also, universe. Also, now they're kind of I, I, like I don't. Maybe they planned this in advance, but I'm also guessing that maybe now they had the, the screenwriters and the director were forced to include um, um, what's his name uh, from Game of Thrones, <laughs> Eternals. Oh, yeah, Kid yeah, Harrington. No, no. Kid Harrington is uh, Black Knight, right? Yeah, they definitely yeah. Uh, teased that in, at the end of the Eternals. Yeah, so and that, I'm sure that the director did not approve of that or did not come on the project because he wanted to deal with this Black Knight character. He probably wanted just to do it because he's from. New- I believe he was a New Yorker, and uh, he wanted to do maybe a gritty kind of uh, New York uh, vampire film. Yeah, and also Kit Harrington is, is like uh, like I said about the scheduling. I mean, since the Game of Thrones is prequel is such a big hit. I'm sure they're wanting to greenlight the, his uh, sequel, you know, right away. So uh, I'm sure he want the, um, wants him filming that as soon as possible, too. All right, let's get to our next uh, uh, item. Um, Louise Fletcher. Uh, she was probably uh, most famous for her role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, she played Nurse Ratchet. Uh, she passed away at 88, uh, this, I think, a, a week ago. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, here's another, here's a chance for me to talk about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and also her performance because I think she deserved, she deserved that Oscar win for, for that performance. Uh, but I, th- I think, you know, that film is, I would consider one of my favorite films growing up. Uh, that's just a, one, the one, one of the most powerful films from Milo Foreman, who directed it, had an incredible performance by Jack Nicholson. I would say probably one of his best performances in a, in a film. And uh, Louise Fletcher was right up there with him. And, and uh, they, had, they had really great ke- uh, chemistry and great scenes in that movie. Uh, Rich, what was your your feelings about One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest and also Louise Fletcher's performance in that? Oh, yeah. Uh, she was uh, phenomenal in that movie because she was the she was the only um, person that, you know, was the bad guy. Basically, she was she was the only she was the first like woman like your your villainous you, the villainous. Yeah. But uh, the only person you go, man. Kill her, you know, at the, <laughs> end, or whatever, uh, at the end or whatever. Well, I think she after but, after yeah. that after that film, she got typecast as playing mostly the villains in in movies. Yeah, even on like Virtuosity, she was uh, uh, she was the <laughs> bad guy. Uh, uh, Raymond, Raymond, your thoughts on on Louise Fletcher and also One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Well, I mean, like yeah, yeah, like you two. I mean, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, it's one of one of my favorites. It's you know one of the best. Films from the seventies and the seventies, I think, is just one of the best decades for films, just in general. It's period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I love her in that film. Uh, her her performance is 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 terrifying. You know, there's something uh, so unsettling about her. But you know, so so much love uh, for that film. I want to talk a bit more about Louise uh, Fletcher. Um, toward you know, maybe like a couple of years ago when she was on on Shameless, because I think seeing her on on Shameless was was really really great to see her. Um, Playing um, uh, William H Macy's uh, mother on the, on that series. I mean, she she was fantastic, and that was uh, really really great to uh, kind of see her re- return and um, playing another despicable character <laughs> at an old age. Yeah. Well, I think you know to 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 quickly go back to one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I think uh, that her important importance in that in that film is that she's the face of the of law or something, right? I mean. That movie is—it's more than just a mental hospital type of no, drama. No, she was a judge, jury, and executioner in that place. Well, she kind of represents, you know, the rules of the house, or the mm-hmm. rule. She was the authoritarian, and Jack Nicholson was. And you know, you gotta remember this is nineteen what seventy five around there. So this is really in the height of the counterculture movement. This is really about anti-establishment. This is you know, and Jack Nicholson's character who is. You know, he is assigned to a mental hospital because he, I forgot, he had some really crazy stuff. I mean, something about uh, sexual abuse or something. I can't remember why he was sent there. But the he, movie he itself. He raped someone, right? It was that, yeah, it was something really kind of horrible that he did, that he was there. But the movie itself, you know, the movie itself is kind of was a picture of, of, of America at the time. You know, if you, if you go to deeper metaphors. It was about, you know, because, you know, in the 70s, this is during the, you know, the Vietnam War. This is right after kind of all the, the political strife in the 60s. And so Nurse Ratched was kind of not just necessarily the evil nurse. She is also the face of authoritarianism. And she is, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, in a lot of ways, the government or, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the oppressive uh, nature of the government. And Jack Nicholson is the counterculture character who's 
railing against that, and he's trying to get these uh, mental uh, patients to get, get them on his side. And it's really that that power dynamic between the two. It's what makes the movie so great. Uh, unfortunately, I think people get the wrong reading of that movie and just really thinks she is the evil nurse. And she becomes this kind of cartoon character. And I really hated that Netflix series where they just oh. kind of play into it. Sarah Paulson, I love Sarah Paulson as an actress. She's she's phenomenal whenever whatever she does. But yeah. you know that was produced by Ryan Murphy, and again, it's one of his horror type of you know sh- shows, and it yeah. just really th- does a disservice to what that movie was and, and what it really meant and what it was trying to say about America at the time, and uh, you know, and really what Fletcher was trying to do. She's not you know truly evil. She was trying to just you know. Put the rules down, you know, and then try to, you know, she is the face, a face of a, of a police state or something. You know, it, it, I, I think you could go, go back in that and look at that movie and really kind of see deeper meanings and deeper metaphors if you want. That's how great that movie is. And anyway, so, you know, a great career, great performance by Louise Fletcher, and she will be missed. She was 88, and she uh, died of natural causes in her home in France. Yeah. She lived in France. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, and, and, and I knew well just based off the trailer to skip that Ratchet series. So I, I never would have bothered. Really quick, uh, Jack Nicholson, while filming One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he was uh, awarded. Oh, I, just thought you were about to, I thought you were about to say, like, Jack Nicholson just passed. I was like, no way. <laughs> no, no, no. No, <laughs> no uh, while he was filming uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he, he was rewarded a, a award from a British, um, uh, a British award show. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was filming when flew over the cuckoo's nest, and so he sent a video of him uh, while while the set on the set of uh, when flew over the cuckoo's nest, accepting the award. It's probably one of the best kind of acceptance speeches oh. or pre-taped acceptance speeches. Uh, it's you could find it on YouTube. It's uh, it's it's really a fantastic kind of funny joke about him like accepting this award, but he's busy. He's now in a mental hospital. It's and, <laughs> and, and, and the nurse, uh, Louise Fletcher comes in as nurse hatchet and says, you know, takes Jack away. It's a funny kind of uh, a bit that they don't do anymore. You know, yeah. it was one that I, I thought that was a great, great kind of uh, little thing that you could find on YouTube. Uh, let's, let's talk about the biggest failure of the week to dumb. <laughs> All right. Why do you think Tadum? Tadum, explain what's Tadum. Tadum is where Netflix releases, uh, takes the day and basically does their own Comic Con, and they release a bunch of uh, featurettes, clips, and trailers for their upcoming projects. And they have, you know, they have a, a presentation also done as well, pre-taped, all pre-taped. Um, none of the trip, huh? Let me say something really quick. This is my first time hearing about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> none of it. Uh, none of them. Uh, none of the, the release trailers that that was released that day went over a million hits that, for the first day, like the, and that's hey, better than our podcast. <laughs> yeah, but that's I mean for um for a big you know uh, release thing, uh, I think their biggest hit was probably the uh, the sequel to uh, Sherlock Holmes, whatever the not An- Sherlock Holmes, Enola Holmes, Enola Holmes sequel. Mm-hmm. I think that was their biggest hit. Um, but yeah. Uh, all their all their uh, trailers they released um, a a failure. It was yeah. just a, it was just. I mean, look, at least they're trying <laughs> to drum up some support for their movies because that's the biggest complaint I have with Netflix. They they when a movie comes out, for instance, we're going to be talking about the monsters <laughs> later on in this, yeah, in this yeah. episode. 
Um, and the, again, that was like zero uh, promotion. But, but, but I think the I think the Monsters is an exception though, because the movie was released on Blu-ray the same day, and yeah. I think. I don't know, there must be something to it because they never even released a Netflix trailer even on their website for it. And I think there must have been there must have been something behind it. You know what I mean? Maybe well, to like not mess up the Blu-ray sales, I imagine. Probably. Uh, you might be right. I mean, you probably are right. Um, okay, I'll give you another example. We me and Rich saw a movie called Lou. Yeah. Which came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys co- told me about it. And it's it's not it's not the greatest movie. It's okay. It's an okay movie. Uh it's a it's had a pretty good premise. I mean, I, I like it's a chase movie. It's a basic chase movie, but they they just like everything else, they screw it up. They screw it up and, and at the end. They got to make it, you know, you know, they got to put a twist to it and it's just un, totally unnecessary. This stars Allison Jenny who was from West Wing. She's a uh, she's also from um Itania. Private parts? Yes, private parts. <laughs> no. I t- she uh, won a she won an Emmy for West Wing. Didn't she won the Academy Award for for Itania? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So bit prestigious actress, and here she's kind of doing an action star action turn. She's doing yeah, some, and she did great. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, she's Lou. Yeah. And she's Lou in the movie, and she is an older kind of survivalist. We learned that she's a ex CIA agent, mm-hmm. and her next door neighbor. They, they live in like kind of the woods. Uh, they kind of live in the Portland type of area. And her next door neighbor is uh, a, a young woman with a young kid. And the kid gets kidnapped by the husband or the mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend. And he is a kind of a, a special ops murderer. And mm-hmm. so Alice and Jenny has to go into what's, and also has to, has to go into like rain soaked uh, woods to find mm-hmm. this young kid. And Journey Smollett plays the 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 the, the, the mother. Yeah. The mother. Uh, it was fine. It was like it's it's not great. But again, this movie was not promoted well, and I think this would have been a pretty decent hit if they they promoted. It. I, I guess it's in the, the top ten or whatever in their in their rankings. It seems like they only promote like really really promote movies depending on who's starring in it. Like if they so. have like Sandra. If they have Sandra Bullock or Ryan Reynolds or like Dwayne Johnson or something like that, I think they're going to promote the hell out of it. But if they have like, um, you know, like uh, Allison uh, J- Janney or didn't I don't I don't I don't think they're going to promote that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they have you have to be like a certain level of actor for, in order for them to promote the movie. Well, or how much they spend on it. That's a good point. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's what more it is. Like how much money they spend on it. They have to probably spend like over a hundred million or something like that. And Lou was probably, I imagine, a, a pretty uh, low budget movie. Yeah, I, w- I would hope so. I mean, it, it was produced by J.J. Abrams. This was a mm-hmm. black or a bad robot production. Uh, you know, I to put a cap on on the, what I, uh, my thoughts on Lou. It's that I really love Allison Jenny in this mm-hmm. in this role as Lou. I, I love her so much that even though I didn't necessarily like the movie, I would like to see a sequel. I'd like to see the continuation of this character. Maybe do another kind of uh, action piece. Because it wasn't that... It was maybe only one or two action sequences. And she was very good in those action sequences. And yeah. I would like to see her expand on that a little bit more. So I would really love to see another movie. But just unfortunately, unfortunately this movie was not... Uh, it was no, it was average. It was maybe a little bit below average movie. And, and like I said, it's such a simple premise. I mean, I I truly enjoy these chase movies, these classic chase movies. Like uh, 
like one of my favorite chase movies from the nineties is uh, shoot to kill. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's this movie screams that um, to me, it, mm-hmm. it could have easily been a, a remake of that. And uh, it's just, it just, you know, make it simple, make it, you know, just, you just, you didn't like that twisty, put, push, twisty. Yeah. Thing no, 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 they, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah Alison Janney is just someone to watch. She's, uh, what she's doing in there is is great, and the great the great thing about that you like to see these good actresses like take chances, and she does. Mm-hmm. She's doing these, you know, I mean, she's not a young woman anymore, but she's doing this ex- extraordinary chance of like taking on this Liam Neeson type of character, mm-hmm. and she's pulling it off for the for the most part, and I really liked her in the movie. Uh, but to go to yeah, go she, back. She, She's she's uh, immensely talented, man. She could do like any any genre because she could also like do comedy. I remember like for me, like she had a bunch of like standout uh, comedic moments in uh, that Melissa McCarthy movie, Spy. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean she she can she can do like every genre. She's yeah, and she was doing the talented. CBS show for a long time too. Mom, I think. It was. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. I saw a couple episodes of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to go back to Netflix, to dumb. To dumb and well, no, no. Go to go back to. The problems with Netflix and their the way they promote their movies. There was another movie that me and Rich got got a chance to see. It's uh, Athena. Athena. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of this either. Yeah, Athena is a French thriller. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a feature film debut of a of a French director, Romain Gavis, mm-hmm. and he is mostly known as a music video director. Oh, okay. He, he, he did some uh, Condi West videos. MIA videos uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and a, you know a couple other ones. I think he did the MIA Born Free and No Church in, in the Wild by Kanye uh, Kanye West. Yeah, that's so, no belt no bells with me. <laughs> and so I I think this is definitely I think this is, I believe this is directorial debut. And it, it, so the movie is the premise of the movie is that it's basically a a riot, basically a real time shot in real time. Oh uh, yeah. Set, of, uh, set set against a a riot in the in the streets of of France. A young kid from a certain neighborhood gets shot by the police. It sparks a riot, and they uh, from the beginning of sequence uh, they take over a police station, mm-hmm. and the kids from that uh, that riots who's leading the riots go into their kind of a block of of community, their tower blocks, and they're kind of bolted down, and it becomes almost this war picture. A lot of long take sequences. And yeah, think, one take. One yeah. takes. I mean, I think the opening shot maybe was like fifteen minutes without mm-hmm. a break, without a, without a, um, you know. Yeah, uh, very inner too. Very. Uh, uh, I, I mean, it sounds great. I mean, how, yeah. how was the movie? You, you recommend it? I would. Yeah. I would definitely yeah. recommend it. And this could have easily been like one of those breakout films. Look, I don't think. I think ultimately, it kind of doesn't necessarily land the 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 you know it didn't the stick message. the didn't stick the landing, but mm-hmm. it, overall, I think it's a, a really a terrific kind of experimental film in the sense that it's a series of one shots. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful looking movie, uh, but again, <laughs> Netflix is not promoting these films. I mean, I think this is a was a kind of a at least on a visual level a, one of the better visual films I've seen this year. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's like it looks like a music video. I gotta check this movie out. Yeah, Sounds yeah. Good. Is this is this a movie that that could be nominated for a foreign film? If if France picked it, but I don't think they. I don't. Nah. I, I'm not sure <laughs> if they selected it. Yeah. But it could have. 
I mean, I certainly could like get a, a spirit award or those, you know, those lower, oh, yeah. you know, or like a golden globes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was very impressed by it. And it does yeah. feel, it does feel like, yeah, very much like a Alejandro, uh, uh, and Eri too. Yeah. Eri too. Uh, that certainly like the Revenant. Lubinsky. Yeah. Like Chivo. Yeah. It's very much like Revenant or, or. Fonzo Carons. Yeah. Fonzo, yeah. Very much Fonzo Caron too. I guess, you know, they're, they're almost the same kind of filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the, what's the, the science fiction one he did? Um, Gravity? Gravity? No. The one with Clive, oh, Clive Owen. Men. Which one? Children of Men. Children yeah. Of men, yeah. Feels very much like Children of Men where they're going into these kind of tight spaces and going into so, around from, film, from filmmaking from a filmmaking perspective not story no look no, for, yeah the look visual oh. from the visual look because it, it's all one take they go into these kind it's of all war-torn looking too. and the, and also the, the the apartment building it's all mm-hmm. kind of following this these people in the apartment down building. yeah yeah so it's 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 focused on these kind of three brothers uh one brother is from the military he comes back home because his brother got shot his younger brother got shot and killed and the, his younger, other younger brother is now leading this rebellion, this uprising. Mm-hmm. And so there's a clash there, and, and then there's kind of family dynamics. But really, it's just a series of long shots. I, I think it's a terrific-looking film. Uh, but it, need, it could have needed a better third actor. Or, there, there, there's something there that needed something to tune it up. It's, it's, it's a good move. It's a, it's, a, it's a good move. Yeah. I, de- I definitely recommend. But, like, you know, like what we were saying earlier... You know who knows about these movies? <laughs> who knows that, yeah. that this is playing in, in yeah. Netflix? And I think that's the major major problem with Netflix now. So yeah, at, least, at least I appreciate that. Would you say would, would you say Athena is kind of more like of an experience of a movie? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, right. I didn't realize it's going to be a bunch of long shot, long kind of one shot sequences, kind of like nineteen seventeen. You know, like we're mm. we're we're watching through these guys, you know, the, the, their point of I view. Am Cuba. Yeah, like a lot of like I am Cuba. Uh, I didn't realize that that's what it was going to be, and so I, it was certainly an experience. And yeah, uh, I mean they could they could have really marketed this. I mean, especially since like people really loved 1917, and it seems like this even has a little bit of an almost war element. You say towards like the end or something like that. Oh no, the whole um, thing. The, the whole thing. thing? Okay, yeah. Then, yeah. Then yeah, I think the whole thing's a riot be. situation. Yeah, man, police. The police, sucks, <laughs> police come into the city or come come into this like uh, uh, community block, you know, tower mm-hmm. blocks, and and they try to take it over, and you know they they're, they're clashing, and you see the the the, the local kids firing uh, fireworks, you know, and it, visually it's just it's spectacular. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I was saying, this is the problem with Netflix. They don't. Who knows that this movie is is on their streaming site. Yeah, and going back to Tadon, uh, one of the best trailers that trailers that was released that day was a movie called uh, "They Clone Tyrone," and this this uh, stars uh, John David Washington. Oh no, 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 not no, 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 sorry, not John John, John Boyega, uh, John uh, John Boyega, Jamie Fox, and uh, the uh, Miss Marvel, uh, one of the Miss Marvel, <laughs> the uh, the one that was in the WandaVision, I think it was. This this movie looks great for Netflix. It looks it looks good for them on the i haven't even heard of this yet yeah, yeah. i've heard about this for the first time through you <laughs> yeah and, and, and enola holmes too the trailer is now at three million that's oh, the wow. only successful one that one that one in the first look to uh, at the new bridgerton <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah. well that's because millie bobby brown is you know, yeah they tweet uh, that crap yeah 
All right, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, Raymond, have you watched uh, Andor yet? No, I haven't. I, I actually forgot to came out. <laughs> <laughs> I've so been, Disney, I've been catching up on a lot of movies, but but yeah. Well, let me just quickly talk about Andor because I think Andor is a an interesting series. It's probably one of the first Star Wars series that I really really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That I don't really have any complaints, I and mean, we just finished no. episode four, and I it just it episode four is pretty pretty good, man. I was yeah. really shocked by it by it. Uh, this is the Dago Luna starring uh, show where he re- reprises his role as. Cassian Andor? Cassian Andor from Rogue One. And this is kind of a prequel to that. So this is set uh, in between the prequels and the original trilogy. I guess you could say this is the the, the forming of the rebellion. Yeah. Because the be- the rebellion is not necessarily formed, in, or at least it's not at, at the point uh, we see them in Rogue One. Uh, I, Rick- I guess we really learned that in the last episode, right? Yeah, I guess so. But I think uh, just from the trailer, I we I think we got a sense of what the the, the show was trying to say. Uh, R- Rich, you saw the first four episodes. Give us your your opinion. Star Wars has all grown up. I mean, it's finally grown up. I mean, there's no, there's no. This is no, this is a series is not meant for kids. Uh, screw the kids. It's it's <laughs> these are the Star Wars that I've been waiting for forever. It's time to to get away. This this is a. This is a galaxy far, far away. Fuck Tantooine. <laughs> it's about damn time. And um, thank you. Thank, I, I can't welcome. believe it. it, it uh, I can't believe it's, it's as good as the, I, I that I that you hoped I, for. I th- that I thought thought I was going to be from the first trailer that mm-hmm. they released, the, the first real trailer. Disney, who owns Star Wars now, has of course has generated a whole kind of group of online critics that have just spent most of their time bashing the show and the, in the films. And they have a point. A lot of the shows and a lot of the films are horrible. (laughs) So I can't like deny that, but uh, the same critics are kind of bashing this show too, because it's Disney used to it. It's it's Disney owned. And I would say, I mean, I I could certainly uh, critique it as saying that it's a little slow. It's, It's a slow burner. Oh, it's, yeah. It takes its time. It's a deliberately taking its time to develop these characters. And I would say Andor, who, who's, you know, not necessarily was the greatest character in Rogue One. Because I, I would like that. Like uh, he was fine. But I, I would m- much prefer, like, Donnie Yen's character. Or if I wanted to see a show, Donnie Yen and his his uh, friend. His, uh, mm-hmm. I forgot the character's name. And those I, don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, I like those characters kind of as side characters. Um, I don't. They were kind of quiet, you know, for for a whole to to have their own series. Um, I think Diego Luna makes sense, right? Well, the, the, here's a th- here's a good thing about Diego Luna's character. He there's nothing there to tie this with the the original trilogy, mm-hmm. so they could really make up anything that they want. You know, they could really there's no kind of like oh we can't go there or we can't do this because eventually Luke Skywalker is going to show up or he's tied in with this or with, with that, right? There's no timeline. You could just totally make this up. And Tony Gilroy, who is the showrunner of the show, and he's the guy who came on last minute to fix Rogue One. Uh, he did the script doctoring, and I think he directed some of the last reshoots of Rogue One. And they say he's, he's the one who saved that movie. Uh, well, it, certainly it seems like he knows, you know, he has a point of view, and I think that's what's, what's missing with the other um, uh, Star Wars shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like... Um, 
Mandalorian or or um, what was the last one? Uh, um, Obi Wan. Obi Wan. You know, we 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 talked about this before. Those shows felt like a series Trash. of well, a series of short films or or fan films, really. Right. Well, I thought I thought the Book of Boba Fett and Obi Wan felt like a stretched out, um, a stretched out movie. Mm. I felt like I felt like Book of Boba Fett could have probably been okay, and I think uh, Obi Wan could have probably been decent if they were like you know maybe like an hour forty five minute movies, but they were stretched out to like this six hour series, and it was it was just awful. It was a, a miserable experience, and and even if they were shortened down to like just like I don't know like an for an hour 45 minute movie it would still like not be great but it would still i think be you know decent enough but what we ended up getting was just a stretched out you know mess so mm-hmm. just so they could get their weekly weekly um views on disney plus or whatever well this feels i wouldn't say this feels like a str- stretched out film but it does feel like a we we're seeing parts of a movie i mean I, certainly well, the- but, here's, but, here, but the thing about uh, about those feeling like stretched out it felt stretched out because they had no story. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, I'm, I'm from from what you're saying. It sounds like they're, they're, they're developing the characters and you know they're setting a bunch of things up. That's none of that happened in those other shows. That yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it, this definitely feels like Tony Gilroy, who I don't think he has that much uh, experience with with TV writing. So this, Dan, his brother Dan Gilroy is also involved in the show and. Uh, he's been he he he's a good writer himself, doing uh, Rowan J. Esquire and Kong Skull Island, Ringsford, Nightcrawler, the Bourne Ladies. Oh, I like Nightcrawler though. Nightcrawler, and um, he also did the Bourne Legacy with his brother. Well, look, let me say this: I think the first three episodes, and a lot of people have said this, that it feels more kind of a story arc there that you need to watch the first three to get to. Get to a really sense of where the show. Yeah, everyone going. says that's like that's like the first chapter, basically. Like you count the first three episodes, basically, as like the first episode. Yeah, I or mean, I, I think they were saying, I think they were saying like the first three episodes is almost like a mini movie in many ways. Yeah, and I, I think, I think, I, I think that's how it is going to be. Like, I like this last episode was the first, first, first chapter of the third of, of another three episodes that'll probably feel like a, a complete chapter. Well, it's there's twelve episodes in this season, right? Right. right. So there's it seems like. The first three, it's one act. The next yeah. six is, you know, or the next three, it's a second act and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, so, you know, so far, I, uh, let me say this. Uh, so far, we've only seen the first four episodes. We like it. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Di- Diego Luna is doing a really good job. I'm not the biggest surprisingly? fan. Surprisingly? Oh, yeah, I'm not the biggest awesome. fan. Yeah, well, I'm not the biggest Diego Luna fan, but he has grown on me. I mean, I think he's become a. I, I really see his his range, and um, yeah, I think and uh, the fact that we don't know much about his past and we're learning about his past in the in this in this series is a good thing, and and it makes me like the character a lot more. I think it's a terrific kind of first step, and hopefully, this will waken up Disney to hire really experienced writers to showrun their shows. Yeah. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Let me ask you: how, Are the ratings for this out yet? Like, is this doing better than Book of Boba Fett? Is this doing better than Obi Wan? Is it doing that, better than Mandalorian? That's a good because question. Because if it's not, if it's not, then um, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get that lesson. That's a good question. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. It's, it's too soon. It's too it's soon. soon. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I hope it does. Uh, I hope it does very well. Um, also for Disney, for Disney Plus. Well, really quick, it seems like um, Andor. 
and the upcoming, well, fingers crossed, the upcoming uh, Marvel project, uh, Werewolf by Night, seem to be made for a more adult audience than what we've been typically been getting on Disney Plus. And um, I hope, I hope if these two, uh, I guess, are successful, that they kind of lean towards that, uh, lean towards in that area a bit more, giving us putting more adult stuff on Disney Plus because. Disney Plus is really a streaming service where I, at this point, I really just have it to re- watch reruns of The Simpsons. Like I don't mm-hmm. like it's it's like the, it's like the worst streaming service in the world for me. But it's the best quality one. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. But they have no content except Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But also, I think Casting Andor, whatever the Andor series, has the most competition right now, going up against amazon's uh lord of the rings the rings of power and of yeah. course hbo max's game of thrones series yeah they need to consider all of that when um when comparing the ratings to the other disney plus shows because i mean freaking um mandalorian had like no competition right yeah that's true yeah. i mean yeah. let me say this house of dragon which is the game of game of thrones prequel series i really enjoy i like mm-hmm. it i i think i said earlier in this uh in a, an earlier episode i said that if this is a show is going to be just about who deserves to be on the throne, I probably won't like it. Well, the show is about who deserves to be on the throne. And I, you <laughs> yeah. know what? I guess I was wrong because I do like it. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. I, 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 I gave up on that show. Yeah, I gave up on that show too. It's a little old-fashioned for me. Uh, it's about good and evil. I don't necessarily like the characters in it. and But I was so I impressed. all the characters. <laughs> I was so impressed by the special effects and the big budget, and you, it really shows that this was made by you know Jeff Bezos' money, and he was willing to spend uh, spend it all, you know. But that doesn't doesn't I think for myself that's what pissed me off the most about the show. And, and I got to admit, with Rings of Power, I didn't make it very far. I gave up after the second episode. It was just it's horrible. I almost gave up after the first episode because um, I, I I I really hated that final scene in the in the first episode where you had the. Uh, what I guess like the hobbits and that and that giant and stuff. Mm. It, I felt like I was watching Willow, the 1980s mm. Ron Howard George Lucas movie. I felt like I was watching Willow, and I was like, "What? Just what a complete waste of money! What a complete missed opportunity!" You know, they have all this money to make this Lord of the Rings series supposed to compete with Game of Thrones, and I think they just made the most boring, most unlikable show possible. I, I freaking hate the Rings of Power so much, and I wanted to love it so much. Well, unlike you, I haven't given up on it, and I've, I like the last two episodes. Um, what episode are you on right now? The latest one, whatever it's fifth, I think. Okay. So, um, but uh, uh, but I am not um, I am not watching it like once it pops up online. I, I watch it during the afternoon, <laughs> so uh, it's I'm not it's not the first thing to watch for me, right? But I I, I do watch it when I'm wide awake because <laughs> I, I, if, it, if it does get boring, I might fall asleep. But so far. Uh, the last two episodes, I'm in. I've been fine. Okay. And well, it's good. I like that the it getting better. Is the special effects still up to a standard? In in. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's still there. Because like in like say for instance, She Hulk, <laughs> the special effects oh, are, no. are getting worse. It's getting worse. Yeah. yeah. And so and I, you know they did you know to talk to go back to House of House of the Dragon, they did a time jump with mm-hmm. a whole new cast really. And I still liked it. I mean, I was really impressed by what they did. Now, they're moving this show really fast compared to, let's yeah. say, Andor, which is taking its time to tell the story. Uh, House of Dragons is like, I think we're so, it was it's six episodes, well, five episodes. Well, you know what? That's, that's smart of House of the Dragon because one of the weird things about Game of Thrones was that the whole series took place in like such a small period of time mm-hmm. where the, character, the actors kept aging and aging and aging, <laughs> and especially with the young actors or the kids. Mm-hmm. 
It's like only, you know, the small period of time went by, but the actors have aged, you know, like 20 years. It's it's ridiculous. And, uh, and I don't think that, I don't think House of Dragons are going to have that issue because I think they, they know about that going in, you know? Yeah, I think they're 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 setting up a for their grandkids to to really take over the show at season three or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean we're at like only episode five or episode six, whatever episodes is in, and we're already kind of spanned. Uh, they already kind of spanned 15, ten years, twelve years already. I mean it's it's been doing some rapid kind of years. Uh, so I I thought that was an interest. I never really seen that in a in a show before where. Mid season, they just kind of replaced the cast, uh, and I think it's a, it makes it hey, exciting. Ben, I mean, remember, remember, I mean, the first season of Game of Thrones was a complete game changer when they k- killed off Ned Stark in the first season. <laughs> yeah. Saw that coming, right? That was that was game changing, like you know, for 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 back then. So it makes sense that they would do something, you know, to to mix things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, let's get to uh, what we've been watching uh, movie wise. Let's start with the Munsters, the highly anticipated movie. <laughs> uh, from uh, uh, Rob Zombie. This was just released on Netflix. Uh, the trailer came out what, a couple months ago. It was bashed online. People uh, just said, just made fun of it. I mean, there was like huge, huge viewers laughing at this trailer. And it really seemed like uh, this was going to be a big m- a mishap under Rob Zombie, who is a big fan of the Munsters. There was these kind of rumors that the budget was like 80 million or something. Is that no, you're saying Raymond, you're saying that's not true, right? Yeah. Rob Zombie has, Rob Zombie has come out in an interview and he was asked about it. And uh, he, he said that, you know, I think that 40 million, 40 million isn't even the budget of his like last four or five movies combined. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I totally believe him with that. Like, I'm pretty sure like if you add the budget of all his movies besides the Halloween films, it probably doesn't add up to 40 million because all of his movies are extremely cheap. <laughs> and also especially this, his last couple. And also this was done by universal one, one, four, four, zero entertainment, which, yeah, is, which a, is a, which is a, a direct to DVD, um, uh, sub subdivision of, um, universals. I mean, they made all the death wish or not death, the death race sequels. And I, they made the direct to, uh, DVD, uh, Chucky sequels and the tremor sequels. So, I mean, they don't spend a lot of money. Yeah, on these yeah, movies. they don't have no budget to give to uh, Rob Zombie. So I'm thinking this movie may be like maybe ten, fifteen million to make. I think it's even less. You think so? I think I think I think it was probably like five million. Honestly, Rich, let me ta- uh, start with you. What was your thoughts on the Munsters? And uh, of course, you're a big fan of Rob Zombie. <laughs> Yeah. What should 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 I go first? Because I'm I'm actually like a Rob Zombie fan. Well, let me let let me just hear uh, Rich's take because I think it's going to be short and quick. All right. Yeah. Uh, Um, I think Joe Schumacher would have loved this movie because it was (laughs) even more it was even more colorful than than Batman and Robin, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and sadly uh, it was probably just as stupid or even more. Um, but watching that trailer, you know. that the first time and seeing how bad it looked and um and then seeing it you know last night uh it was literally uh putting lipstick on a pig it, it was just just it looked just as bad but he did um i think he did try to put a filter on it where it made it less uh digital so i think he put a, a film grain know, a film grain onto mm. it so um but yeah, I think the um 
the best thing about it is probably some of the music on, in it was fine. Uh, I mean, I, I had an issue with the music because it all, it, like, this movie's supposed to be taking place like in the 1950s or whatever. And yeah. yeah. They're playing, like, Rob Zombie music. And, like, I was like, how does this fit in here? That, that's why I said some of the music because there was some music that was, that, that fit fine with it. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yeah. Um, also, it was, uh, not to get <laughs> spoilery or whatever, but <laughs> they, they, they totally missed opportunity. Um, uh, because this is an origin film for mm-hmm. them. Spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's, and, is that what you're talking about? No. Uh, I, oh. I mean, to me, the monsters is always Herman Munster saying grandpa. And they never said grandpa because there was no, uh, there's no, um, uh, uh, he's son. not a grandpa yet. He's, yeah, yeah, he's exactly. Not a, he's not a grandfather. So yet. Yeah. Um, they, okay. they should have, they should have, uh, uh, did it to the end, you know, I'll, um, have her be pregnant at the end or whatever. Uh, just they, they, uh, you're gonna have to, gonna have to wait for the sequel, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, were they thinking of sequels and stuff already? I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it, let it, me ask just, you, let me ask you, Rich, what do you, what do you think about the, the cast? I mean, we got uh, oh, Sherry Moon. Oh. Sherry Moon Zombie, yeah. Yeah, Sherry Moon Zombie as Lily. Uh, this Jeff Daniel Phillips, who's, I guess, a Rob Zombie fe- frequent uh, actor right. for him. And they he, all are. The whole that's, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, he plays uh, Herman. And also you got comedian uh, Daniel Robach as Grandpa. What was Not your feeling? Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right. <laughs> the Count. That's right. His name that is The Count. Uh, what was your thoughts on just the cast it's the, themselves? The main three? Yeah, the main three. Uh, I think uh, Daniel Roebuck did okay, and uh, um, Sherry Moon Zombie actually did okay. Jeff Daniel Phillips did not do uh, Herman. Um, uh, well, they all do their own thing, kind of. Yeah, well, but he was he Sherry, was Sherry Moon Zombie's trying to do uh, Yvonne DiCarlo type of style of acting, but she she's overacting. So no, no, Jeff Daniel Phillips is overacting. I think Jeff Way Daniel Phillips is straight up. I think Jeff Daniel Phillips is straight up giving his own interpretation, and it's not Herman at all. But after a while, I got used to it. But it's it it was never Herman for me. No, and especially never, especially Rob Zombie's dialogue, like having yeah. Herman go like far out, man, and groovy and all that stuff. I'm like, what? That's not every Herman at every all. line every line for him had to be a a, a cheesy joke or whatever, and then well, not I mean, just cheesy, shitty. Show. Shitty joke. And, yeah, that's but, the big difference. That's the big difference because Rob Zombie, like and Herman, was never like that. Rob Zombie can't really write that type of 1960s style of humor that Herman Munster was would do. Like he's doing more like like a 1980s style of comedy almost. And he's doing like 1980s daddy humor instead of like 1960s daddy humor. So it, it feels off. It doesn't feel like Herman. Herman. Yeah, it, it reminded me of like Gilligan's Islands um, uh, with visits the um, Har- the Harlem Globetrotters kind of shit like that. I mean, classic char- classic characters in a in a in a horrible uh, remake kind of thing. Um, I think we all agree that Daniel Roebuck is probably the best in the cast as, as yeah. the Count, not the, not Grandpa, but well, as the Count. Well, my favorite performance I think was actually uh, Richard Brake. Yeah. I do too, and uh, Lester. Oh, the the brother. Yeah, Richard Brake. Who was he? He was a he was a, a doctor uh, that created the mad scientist that created Herman, oh, and he also okay. played the the Norse uh yeah. vampire that oh, goes on a date with Sherry yeah. the zombie. Yeah, 
and this and and he's like a, he's like a horror uh, a horror guy of Rob Zombie regular. He was recently in uh, in Barbarian, so it was really fun to like for me to see him in this comedic role. I, I thought while the jokes weren't funny, I thought his performance was like completely on point and. I would love to see him do more stuff but, like this. But in some of the scenes as the doctor, he, he went a little too overboard. Oh, but, of course. Yeah. I liked uh, uh, Jorge Garcia, who plays, really? yeah. Yeah, uh, who plays uh, the doctor. Well, sidekick. I thought him and Richard Brake worked really well off each other. Mm. You didn't like Jorge Garcia and Richard in this, in this film? He, just, he was just very I didn't have that let, much let, to do. let me say this. I didn't expect that performance from him. Oh, okay. Because he actually <laughs> is doing a caricature of something. I mean, like a, a sidekick, uh, you know, he's basically Igor, but there's another Igor in the film, yeah. so he's not Igor. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so I didn't expect that from him. Usually and, he's and, the guy from Lost, you know, so I... I, 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 thought, I, I thought Sylvester McCoy was was pretty good as as, as Igor, um, the bat. <laughs> and we get, I guess we get his origin story of how he becomes the bat. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, we get, you know, that's one thing that and why I maybe don't hate this movie as much as you guys, as much as a lot of people. It's not a good movie, but um, I, I, I don't hate this movie because like I, there's so many things like when you watch the monsters that you always kind of wonder to yourself, like they're in the show, they would always reference like Herman's creation and stuff. And you you kind of wonder about some of these things. And also you wonder about how, how what spot actually looks like and how he kind of enters the family and and you do get these answers. They're just extremely disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me give you my quick opinion. I think the movie, when I first watch the movie, I go, oh, this is, okay, it, it, this is a Rob Zombie mashup of a lot of things that he lo- loves. It's not just the monsters. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, it, 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 you feel like his love for rock and roll and all that kind of like 1960s kind of um, rockabilly type of stuff. Yeah. In this, um, it's very. It's also very punk at time. Like Herman even has like a punk band at some point. Yeah, I, I think. I think at one point I go. This feels like a mixture of the monsters, but also the the monkeys, and also uh, Marvel uh, Marvel Mar- Bava's horror movies with just the color Giallo, maybe a little bit of Giallo. It feels like, or even Hammer films. It feels like a lot of a mixture of a lot of films that he loves and show TV shows of the time. The thing is that he also wrote this. Uh, movie and if mm-hmm. and it, for I, I couldn't get you know you say this is set in the 50s i don't know if this is set in the 50s i, I think this is set in modern times but he it's it's done in a way we don't really know it could be in the 50s mm-hmm. could be 60s could be 70s could be 80s could be 2020 uh but that doesn't really necessarily makes it a bad show, movie i just like it just it was a little off and i i think i i would rather just see a rob zombie do his own kind of you know, family movie version of whatever, his own original kind of creation. And this feels like it needs to be tied in with the monsters as because we're, we're, they're, they're dealing with the origins of Herman and how he f- fell in love with oh, Lily. And the third act of this movie just really kind of goes off the rails. I, I, I don't know, but at the same time, that that's kind of like what I wanted the movie to be the whole time when it, once it gets to the third act. I, like, we spent the whole movie basically in Transylvania. <laughs> Yeah, I want I, I wanted the monsters to get to their to Mockingbird Lane already. It took forever. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a one point. There's a animated sequence, or let me oh. say, there's a sequence oh. where the backgrounds are animated, and I go, I think Rob Zombie's just kind of lost it here. He kind of lost focus of what he's going to do because this is just a kind of a wild kind of sequence. 
And uh, it may, you know, and look, it might have worked as a music video. I, but I, I thought a, I thought it was a budget limitations because they also probably, do a very similar thing. I, they do a similar thing when um, when Herman and Lily go on their honeymoon to Paris. But yes. The whole- the whole movie is his direction of where the angle shots, angle, angle, mm-hmm. angle, 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 angle. every movie. I mean, get get the hell. I don't remember those shots in the monsters. I mean, if you're a true fan, I mean, it, oh, that's 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 his music video background. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what that's he is. He's a, he's a music video director. Just stick with that. Do you do you think this movie? Because I, I, it's getting really crap done by critics. Uh, do you think this kind of really dampens Rob Zombie's? directing career i i for, I so. for me i i think this might might kill it i mean uh and, and it's well, not like it's not like it's a complete failure well the, the, well the problem the problem is you can see how this could have been better but and there's and there and i'm sure rob zombie while making it he's like well people would probably like it more if i did this but i want to do this <laughs> like he, he's aware of some of these decisions mm-hmm. that he's making like rob zombie just doesn't give a damn you know what i mean all right all right let me ask you guys this do you think kids will like this film? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's probably the most unfortunate thing about it. That's why I say it, it doesn't. I don't. I think it might kill his career because th- this is only focused for one particular audience, his fans, and I yeah, think and I think they they're the only ones he that's going to like. No, I, I, I could I I compare. Wait, let me. True. I think I could compare Rob Zombie's film career to Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith has gotten increasingly worse as a director. Yet he makes movies for directly for his fans, and uh, to a point where he just goes on tour with his new yeah. movie and sells it to his fans. And uh, sure, Rob Zombie could continue that 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 uh, that path, but for in order for him to like get another franchise or get another film, a real film or a studio film, I think those days are gone. I think if he's going to do another movie, it's going to be for something for his uh, music festival or you know concert film or whatever. It's going to be for his fans directly, and maybe that's fine with him. And maybe that's maybe that's what he should have done in the first place. I mean, maybe that's that's the future for him. But yeah, I was uh, uh, very disappointed by the movie. Uh, well, that's kind of that's kind of what Rob Zombie's career has kind of become this past decade. Mm-hmm. This this was kind of like um, this was strange that you know he was making a movie with Universal because mm-hmm. he kind of blew everything with the studios already. And I would say this, like his earlier films, you I really thought that there was a chance for him to become a really great horror director. I did like A House of a Thousand uh Corpses. Corpses. Yeah, I did like a, a House of a Thousand Corpses. I did like uh, The Devil's Reject. Uh he was on his way to become one of these leading horror guys. Uh, uh like like when when we heard the monsters was actually happening, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't Bloomhouse wasn't in, involved um, mm-hmm. with it. You would think that he would, could get attached to a Bloomhouse film, but no. But Bloomhouse would probably have like you know they would want him to cast you know not his regular actors. Mm-hmm. There's requirements, I imagine. And um, Rob yeah, well, Zombie just he he's not he's not willing to to compromise his his vision, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, the vision here wasn't yeah, that, no. that it wasn't that uh, visionary, but. Uh, I think Rob Zombie could have made a really great family movie because you know he did that cartoon. What, what was that? Uh, El Bisto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Super, but that was an R-rated cartoon. Super Beast. Oh, was it? Okay, so he did. Yeah. So he has a background of doing these kind of wild original characters, and I think he could have done more. You know, an original film inspired by the monsters. He wanted to do the monsters. Mm-hmm. I think Cher Moon Zombie. I didn't really 
Her performance is fine. I think she did a lot better than I expected. But at times, I really felt that she was doing Elvira more than uh, Lily. Mm. Uh, J- Jeff oh, Daniel, yeah, Jeff Daniel Phillips, who's the you know who plays Herman. Uh, he he's just a totally different character than than or actor than than Fred Grin, and he, you know he's doing his best. But uh, the way Rob Zombie wrote that character as like originally he was a co- stand up comic. I don't get that. I I. I- I didn't mind that actually. I I I just, but I hated the execution of it because yeah. you know what I mean. We get this whole like news segment, like of uh, of like the stand up comic that just died, and then right. he has like a genius brother that happened to die the same day. I thought that whole sequence was awful. Yeah. I hated that scene so much, and it just went on and on. And uh, we have to see Jeff Daniel Phillips like perform as a as a stand up comedian and. Something that really also bothered me about that sequence is we're seeing him dressed like a uh, like a stand up comedian, but it felt like he was dressed like a stand up comedian from like the seventies or eighties. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, but that's again, what this film's ba- supposed to be based on the sixties, late sixties, early seventies, because uh, like you said, he has the psychedelic band also, and uh, um, and but that doesn't, the, the that airplane doesn't they go on, the airplane they go on to Hollywood. It's definitely sixties, uh, seventies, um, but. But when when Eddie's born, that would be like ten years later. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The the, the time frame of this show, this movie, is just out of whack. It doesn't. Also, also, if you if you want if we want to talk about continuity and stuff, I thought it was like because they they had announced previously that uh, the character of Zombo was going to be appearing in in this film, and I thought Zombo was going to actually be a big part of the story. Mm. But like, really, Zombo is really just kind of like an Easter egg in, in, in the thing. Uh, he just kind of, sh- they show his commercial and I guess like Herman Munster is a big Zombo fan in this, in this iteration, but, mm-hmm. and, and the T te- I just rewatched like the Zombo episode a couple weeks ago. And um, like Herman, Herman didn't even know who he was. So it, it's, it's just so weird. Like, I, I, like this kind of almost like doesn't even fit in continuity with the show. I think maybe, Rob maybe. Zombie just, I think Rob Zombie just wanted to put Easter eggs in there. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen the Munsters in a very long time, so I kind of miss a lot of those in, in jokes or, or you know. Those... Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, returning characters from the original series pop up for little cameos. Uh, actually, my favorite bit in the movie um, was a, a cameo from uh, from a character from the original original series. But we see um, Uncle Gilbert um, in the movie. Uh, Lily Lily's uncle. He's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we see uh, we see a little montage, and we see him uh, watching uh, his movies with Herman and Lily, and I, th- I thought that was kind of that was kind of fun. I like that bit, mm-hmm. but um, that was probably the only scene I watched out of the whole movie. <laughs> and it was just like a little tiny bit within the montage. All right, so uh, if you have to grade this movie, what grade would you give it? Rich, let's start with you. Hmm, I, I don't know if it's any good for kids. I would give it an F myself, but um, I'll probably. Um... F plus. Okay. <laughs> All right. What grade? Okay. Well, I'm going to be nice. Um, in reality, I think this is probably like a D plus, a D plus, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go C minus just because um, I, 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 I enjoyed a lot of the Easter eggs in it really. That's, that's about all I can say about it. Cause this movie drags on way too long. It didn't need to be almost two hours. It's ridiculous. And the movie really just is painfully unfunny. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, I think if you are a Monsters fan and you are a Rob Zombie fan, especially if you were both of those or fans of both of them, you will get a little bit out of it. But there's not much. What did you think of the makeup? I thought it was good, but um, 
you know, because they did this movie in color, I thought it was very odd how, um, you know, because in the original series, they would always have, you know, like the monsters interact with, you know, like people in costumes, and they would think that people in costumes are actual monsters. And they would do that, mm-hmm. they do that same bit here, but in color, it just felt, I don't know, in color, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and black and white, I could go with it, but in color, it just, I'm like, you don't notice that these are just people in costumes. <laughs> and, and the speed up effects didn't work too. Well, yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot of things that didn't work in the movie, and I would say, <laughs> I would say, the beginning, I was kind of more, I was like shocked that it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I liked the cinematography. I liked the production design. I liked uh, some of the look of the film. I liked some. I mean, even the costumes are really, really good. Then you get to the the middle, and the third act completely goes off the rails. I didn't like it. it See, be- I think I'm opposite because I think it. I think it. Um, I think it got a little better for me as it went along because I remember in the beginning it was kind of rough. I'm like. Cause like Herman doesn't even get introduced like until the second act of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it took it took a while. I don't think I needed Herman's origins. I don't know if I cared about that. I well, mean, I, I liked it. I just wish it was better. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted I wanted Herman's origin. I, I'll give. I the, always wondered about it. I'll give this a D. I'll give that a D. A D. It's maybe a D minus. <laughs> no, a D is fine. A D is a solid D. I think, uh, yeah, like I, I mean, we all agree. I don't think kids would like this movie at all. I don't think. It's... Unfortunately, no. I think that I'm, I think actually the people who will enjoy it best, and they're going to have issues with it. I don't think there's anybody that's going to watch this and they're going to be like, "Oh man, I love this movie," except for Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the people that really that are going to, you know, at least like you know, not hate it and have some fun with it are people that grew up with the original series and people that go to like conventions to still get autographs and pictures with Butch Patrick. So, no, like Daniel Robach and uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips, they're, they're no, no, both. but I no, but I mean like uh, people that you know really love the original show. Oh, okay, I think, yeah, yeah. Still, I think they'll still get a little bit out of it, not a lot. Like I think everyone's still gonna have issues with it, but I think they'll get something out of it, mm-hmm. at least the Easter eggs. All right, that was it for uh, the Munsters. Let's get into something that we saw recently. Me and Rich saw this, and you, actually, you saw this movie in theaters a, a month ago. Let's talk about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, this came out on VOD. Uh, this is a... They kind of promote this as a slasher film, but I think that's maybe false promotional, or what's it called? Uh, uh, false... False advertisement. False uh, advertisement. Uh, th- I, this is more kind of in the style of Clue, I guess, or maybe even... Uh, it's a murder mystery. Yes, it's a murder mystery. Uh, it's it's really kind of like a... I don't know. It's it's certainly not a slasher film uh, or, or like a whodunit kind of slasher. Um, it's, more, it's more of like a commentary on Gen Z. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sort of... but is it a really an accurate depiction of well, Gen Z? The movie doesn't ha- say anything that hasn't already been said a million times already. I think it's more of a depiction of just like Twitter, uh, wor- the world of Twitter, <laughs> you know, like people on Twitter oh, or well, social I, media. See, see, I, tr- I tried to think of it. It's Gen Z from the perspective of people that don't have never met anybody that, from that age group. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, the, the director who is a, a, I believe, Danish director or a Danish actress or Dutch. Helena, a Dutch Helena a- Ray. Helena Ray. A Dutch actress. She makes her uh, uh, directorial debut. She's a Gen Xer. She's all, uh, she's like forty five. Oh. So she oh. for for her to well, she didn't write the, the screenplay. Uh, the screenplay is done by a, a woman called Sarah De Lappy and and the story by Kristen Rupian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they're kind of more in that age r- range. Uh, decent cast. Rich, uh, tell us the cast. 
uh, the film stars um, Maria Bakalova uh, from uh, Borat, the recent, the recent Borat, uh, Pete Davidson, Lee Pace, Amanda Stanberg, Rachel Sennett, and Chase Sue Wonders. Oh, sorry, one more. Mihala Harold. So, and, and I would say the cast is pretty good. I think they did all a good job. Um, I don't think the movie has any deeper meaning or deeper things to say about the Gen Z uh, genre or the genre, generation. Uh, they kind of, it's kind of more surface level type of uh, stuff here. I, I, because I thought it was a slasher film, you know, I heard critics kind of compare this to a modern day scream. I was kind of looking for a murderer or like who's the mask murderer. And that's almost like a red herring. It's not, it's, it's necess- not necessarily there. I mean, you, all the murders in the, in the movie, you kind of see who, who murdered people in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a mystery. I guess, it's more like a paranoid, well, fucked I don't up know, night. Uh, I don't know, Mike. I I do think the movie is a mystery. It's just, yeah, you weren't you you weren't fooled by Favarian. I mean, I, I, the thing is, I I hate this movie. I think this <laughs> yeah. is like I hate this movie so much. But the thing is, why I hate this movie is because I saw so many reviews of the film that were extremely positive, and one of the reviews that I, I really liked, and I saw a couple people, a couple critics compare it to um, a, a movie I really love um, called Funny Games. Mm. And uh, that that those comparisons made me really want to seek this movie out. And actually, when I went to go see this movie, it wasn't even playing near me. So I had to I had to I had to go I had to go out of my way to find it. And um, I was just so immensely disappointed by the movie because within the first, I'd say maybe ten, no, maybe not ten, but maybe like within the first 15, 20 minutes, I, I you know, before there's even any kills, I was like, okay, I know how the movie's going to end because. Uh, they they do a couple interactions and they also show a certain item and I was like okay this is basically like a, a Chekhov's gun situation and I can see how this movie's gonna end and I ended up being right it ended up ending exactly the way I saw it in the first 10 15 minutes and um and the movie had nothing to say there it was a completely pointless movie and really all I got out of it is there were some really good performances but the, again, the movie is just a complete waste of ninety minutes. Yeah. And if you if you if you fall for if you if you if you can go with it and you don't see the ending, I guess it's probably really fun. But if you see that if you see how the movie's going to end in the first fifteen minutes, and then literally nothing, they have nothing to say throughout the whole thing, and the whole movie's just it's supposed to be funny, but I never laughed. I, right. I, I don't it, know. It's a, it, it pissed me off. It's a very dry, a very deadpan kind of satire. Uh, that, uh, but I think the satire is not necessarily deep or, or even no. hard hitting or, or sharp. Uh, Rich, what was your thoughts on on bodies, bodies, bodies? It's a whodunit film, uh, but it's more like a who cares. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, great review right there. <laughs> I mean, uh, it it's like uh, it's not bodies, bodies, bodies. It's annoying, annoying, annoying. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Who's more annoying? I mean, am I annoying? Is that uh, the, still a thing you know uh uh it's uh, it's a bunch of characters that you know you you know you don't care who lives yeah uh, uh, well i kind of i like maria bakalova's character kind of i guess sure but she has a a, a, a shitty background too so um maria bakalova who we kind of only just know from barrett too and that other shitty movie, um, uh, oh, the bubble, bubble right? Uh, and I liked her. Oh movie. shit! <laughs> I think she was uh, the probably one of the best things in the bubble. 
Mm-hmm. And I really liked yeah. her in this 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 film. I think she she has become a very a very good actress, I, I, or at least uh, she has proven that she uh, deserved that Oscar nomination for Borat too. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I you know this whole she cast an Oscar nomination for Borat too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And I this, forgot about that. Really, that's crazy. <laughs> and so, I, and I, I would say this whole cast kind of features, you know, uh, a bunch of young talent. Sure. Except Pete Davidson, who I think is a, just a, a waste of a person. <laughs> no, no. I, well, I, 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 thought I, I, a, I thought this was a good performance from him. I think he's, I mean, playing, he's playing himself. He's playing himself. Yeah. So I think it, it works. He works well for the movie. I, I, I I'm not a big uh, Pete Davidson fan. I did not like uh, his uh, his movie. Uh, 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 what's it called? The King of Staten Island. <laughs> you say you say this every time you mention Pete Davidson, <laughs> and I will continue to. I I, I I like the King of Staten Island, but um, let's let's talk about uh, Lee Pace because um, yes, I think I, I, I like that like character. Lee Pace, I like Lee Pace, but I don't. I don't. I'm confused. Like, were we supposed to like him? <laughs> I don't know. I, that, I liked him. I thought. I think he was the like. Like once we. Once we find out about like Maria Bakalova's like background, I was like, but by that point, it's like, oh, Lee Pace was the best character in the movie. Well, I I mean, is he really? I mean, because Lee Pace is a Gen Xer. He's certainly a Gen Xer. He's an older person in the in the film. He is kind of a uh, freeloader, I guess you could say. He's uh, dating this yeah. one uh, a, a younger girl, and he just <laughs> kind of comes in and and he's like, I guess you could say he's like a a Cato Kalin type of character. He kind of <laughs> wa- he kind of walks yeah. in. Where the party at? And I'm 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 just I'm an easygoing kind of guy. And yeah, I guess you're not wrong. I kind I kind of saw I did see a little bit of like Matthew McConaughey and Daisy Dupuis yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah. But it, I guess I guess just compared to the rest of the characters, he didn't seem bad. I guess right. He's not. He's not. He's not an asshole like everyone else. He in felt the, innocent. Yeah. I guess that's probably right. He felt very innocent. Yes, and I thought that 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 whole part, that whole kind of there, he he has like kind of this tension with Pete Davidson's character. And I thought that's going to play a little bit more, but it doesn't necessarily. Be, it's only like one or two scenes where he has these kind of uh, character developments in the in the film, and it doesn't go anywhere really. It's really just to well, it's it's to throw you off. Yeah, it's really to throw you off. It's it, it's funny because like I've heard some critics really love this movie. They, like I said, they compared it to Scream, which I think that's not a great comparison. No. Uh, I, I at least understand the funny games comparison, but funny games is like a great movie. This is this this is like the the poor man's funny games. But I under I at least understand the comparison. I like the cinematography on this. Uh, uh, I like the the, the look okay. of the film. Uh, everyone's uh, you know the it's set during a night of of a of a party, a hurricane, of, right? Hurricane. Yeah. The lights go off, and so the whole movie's light by um phone. It's by uh, iPhone. Uh, iPhone oh. light. And yeah. glow sticks. And glow sticks, yeah. Everlasting iPhone uh, light. I mean, but it, are... I think they do a good job of, of of not making it look too bleak. You know, there there's color in it. it. There there's something about it that makes it look good. And I, I have to credit that to the cinematographer. Uh, you know, the movie. What the movie's about is about this kind of get together. A bunch of you know Gen Zers. They're a bunch of rich, privileged assholes. They. Can they come up with this idea of let's play a game called Bodies, 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 which I never heard of. Is that a fictional game? I never heard this game. I've never heard of it either, but I heard some people online saying that it's similar to other games of a different name. Yeah, Werewolf, I heard, and also uh, that uh, the ones that look know. like little... Uh, it's a video game that looks like like Among uh, among Thieves or something like that? Among or, Us? Among Us? Among Us, yeah. Is that it? It's a game where people close their eyes, one's a kill, one's 
I, I, do they draw a, a cards? I, I, I really didn't understand how the, the the game works, but I guess someone becomes the murderer. Someone taps on the shoulder. Uh, they all go scrambling, uh, looking for each other. And if they find a body, body, they have to scream body, body, body. I, I don't know. It's, I think mm-hmm. I think they pull. I think they pull a straw, and the one with the short straw or something like that is the killer. I, and then nobody knows. Nobody knows who's the killer. Yeah, and everyone is lying to each other, so everyone votes to see who's the killer. Yeah, and then you and then you just expose each character for their true realities. Or and whatever, but, and so right, that's the movie, really. That's the, you know that happens. So what happens? The game becomes uh, turns into real life. You, you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the problem. Bodies, bodies, bodies is not a movie. This is a short film mm. stretched out to a movie. You know what I mean? Because if this were twenty minutes, I think it would be pretty good. Yeah, maybe because it all hinges on that kind of final scene where you, where people got to go. Oh, so that's what the movie's about, or oh, that's how it started. And I, it should have been a short. And I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that end scene where we're finally the big reveal or whatever. I don't think it's strong enough to to validate the the movie. I thought it was there should have been um, more accusations sure. to uh, the other other characters. Like once a, a person dies, it's a whodunit film. So once once you find someone uh, 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 dead, then you automatically go look for the person who did it. And motive. There, there's no motive here. I mean, there no one's looking for motive in this movie. Right. Well, they 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 did do a little bit of it because I do remember them like having the conversations it just they didn't it didn't go anywhere yeah but there yeah there is no um true accusations like like they're all still hanging around or whatever like they're um they're just annoyed by it i mean i think a great example of of what you're saying is uh john carpenter's the thing where yeah. everyone mm-hmm. is like paranoid and like they're who's yeah. who is the alien who's the body swapping alien and that is a much better movie <laughs> this movie doesn't well, get near they, that they, that, they that they, they, I think they kind of do that a little bit in one sequence, the sequence when they all confront uh, Lee Pace. Mm-hmm. But um, I, for the yeah, for the rest of the movie, they're all kind of just all in little groups talking, like making little group accusations at one. It was you. It was you. Why do you think critics? You know, and I should say some critics just totally hate this movie too. It's a divisive yeah. film. But there are some critics who really, really love it, really dug it. Why do you think this is catching on to some people? Look, that's the baffling thing to me because I really don't understand how professional critics mm-hmm. don't see the ending of the movie in the first few minutes. I don't like. I don't think I'm. 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 Nec- I'm not the guy that you know picks up on twists and stuff early or stuff like that. You know, that. But I. I just. I don't understand how if you if you know anything just about storytelling and stuff, how you don't. It, it's set up perfectly. The ending you see. I actually when I remember when watching this movie in theaters, like in the first 15 minutes, I kept I kept thinking to myself, you know what? It would be pretty funny if it turns out that, you know, that this happens in the end of the movie. It turns out that it, it, it's all because of this. And then when it actually ended up happening, I was like, they didn't earn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't really catch the ending until like maybe at the end. Right? I mean, uh, like maybe the final act. I go, oh, OK, now I think I get what they're what is going to happen. Oh, and you then, were kind of you were kind of on you were kind of on with the mystery. Yeah. Well, wow, I, wow. The, the thing is, there is, there's no really no mystery because we, when someone is killed, we see who kills that person. So the the mm-hmm. the, the, the movie is really just about paranoid and about it's just really this destruction of these friendships that these women have, and that's the kind of the the the, the, the whole idea of the movie. It's not necessarily a murder mystery. Something sparks that kind of destruction. Uh, uh, 
you know, someone dies in the very beginning where we don't know who what happened or who killed them. But it really is just a kind of character study of this destruction of friendship and paranoia and hard truths comes out. But I, I don't think that these revelations or the, these these kind of things that they they reveal were were that entertaining or, or, or thought provoking. You know, uh, yeah, they're just kind of catty, 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 catty people just screaming at at each other. They're kind of like like most people said that these are kind of terrible people because this is really a Gen Z film. I mean, and what I mean by that, they they're talking about podcasts, they're talking about Twitter, <laughs> social media. And you don't get that in other movies. A lot of movies nowadays are not talking about modern day stuff. They don't talk about social media unless so it's some are, kind are of. You, cri- are you saying? Are you, I'm sorry. Are you are you saying that like you think the reason critics like this movie is because critics are like podcasters and stuff like that? So yeah, because like, the stuff kind I of think appeals they, to them. I think this speaks to them. This is their language. This definitely feels like a Twitter world uh, uh, generation or community. Uh, the, you know, the way they speak, the way they kind of uh, use phrases. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it all feels like what people would say on Twitter. Uh, and so I think that's what that's why they're connected to to the movie. And it's not necessarily the movie is great. It's just that they have something that they connect to and they kind of recognize. And you don't get that with a lot of movies nowadays, uh, especially when movies are kind of mostly comic book movies. And comic book movies mm-hmm. are not set in real world. You know, they're not, you know, Marvel movies are not set in the real world, really. It's like this fictional alternative world, and so I think that's I why I think that's why they're connected to it. It's just so strange because critics are treating this like this is like the the modern day like um uh, what's that um Christian Slater movie from the eighties? Heather's? Heather's. Yeah, people are, people are people are treating this like it's Heather's or something like and oh. like this generation's Heather's and it's like yeah, oh, I heard that too. Really not. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not even like the biggest fan of Heather's, but like I mean, compared to this piece of crap. <laughs> Yeah, there's another uh, another thing we watched uh, recently um, that has similar um, situations, like a murder with a rich fam- with based on with a rich family, and that's a true murder mystery that I still don't know who if he, the guy really did it or not, and that's called the staircase. Oh yeah, I haven't heard of this. That's HBO <laughs> the HBO series. Yeah, and that movie is basically this. I mean, that's a real whodunit, and that's. For um, uh, basically, you know, the same story, but uh, it's a, a true whodunit uh, movie, and uh, that's what a I'm serious. Yeah, a series, but um, a staircase. That came out this year. Yeah, when I was watching this movie, because it, you know, it is trying to say something about the rich and privilege. I got a lot of Ready or Not vibes. Yeah, and and, and I'm not a big fan of Ready or Not. Uh, Ray, Raymond, you're. You love that movie. You like that movie a lot. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Ready or Not. That was a really fun a movie. But um, and I did get, a, I guess, a little bit of Ready or Not, but but like a very like half baked, crappy, lazy, not fun version of it. I guess. Yeah. Well, let me say this about Ready or Not. That is done by a couple of uh, horror filmmakers who did this. The, yeah, they did the recent Scream movie. And Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was done by a, a Dutch actress, uh, Helena Helena Ray Rain Rain. Helena Rain, yeah. And she, I'm not, I'm not sure about her background, but I'm I'm assuming she's not necessarily a, a horror filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, even though I have problems with Ready or Not, at least uh, it, stylistically, it feels m- more right as a horror movie. And I think that's the problem with a lot of modern day horror movies. They're done by people who are not necessarily horror filmmakers or 
or at least horror, pe- fans. horror fans, or at least know the understanding, the the ideas of horror, why horror, in a, in a visual sense or, or anticipation sense. Like, for instance, you know, I got problems with X, but at least Ty West understands horror in a way that he shows you in X. And I haven't seen Pearl yet, but, uh, you know, he's, here's a guy who understands how to shoot and, and film horror. I just bring that up because I think that's the problem with a lot of these horror movies. A, a lot of filmmakers see horror as a stepping stone for, for uh, you know, either a studio picture or even to break into Marvel or something. Uh, they, they don't necessarily see it as an art form or, or want to really understand it, you know, to, to appreciate the art form. Uh, I'd say, this is why I say. I don't hate the movie, but I certainly don't love this movie. Uh, uh, and I don't recommend it. And if it's on, like, streaming, you know... It, Go ahead, check it out. It does have some really good cinematography, yeah. Yeah. and I like, like, and we all agree the acting is pretty, pretty decent in here. And it's not that long. Okay, let's get into what's playing in theaters, and of course, we got Raymond, who is <laughs> goes to the movies in theaters every week. So let's hear your kind of thoughts on what some of the movies you saw in theaters recently. I saw a lot of movies in theaters recently. Um, uh, last night, I, was it last night? Yeah, last night I watched uh, Smile. New horror film just came out. Um, I wasn't really, I wasn't really planning on seeing this movie really, but the reviews kind of started to come out for the movie early, and they were fairly positive. So I decided to give it a shot, and I was really surprised that the movie is pretty pretty well done. It's 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 not it's not a bad movie, but I will I do got to say that I do think the first kind of. maybe the first act of the movie was, was a little rough for me because it felt very familiar. And uh, the movie, I think it's kind of like a mixture of like the ring and I guess truth or dare from a few years ago, but it's, 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 it's really, it's really well done. And it all kind of comes together in a very satisfying way by the third act. And I think really the glue that kind of pieces it all together and that really keeps you um, invested in the film and kind of, um, yeah, invested in the story is the lead is the, is the lead actress in the, in the film uh, i'm not not familiar with her at, at all but so, i was just it's sosie bacon the daughter of kevin bacon and uh and kira sedwick is sosie bacon's the lead who was yeah. the lead she's the one who plays the, the therapist that's sosie bacon okay sosie yeah sosie bacon i thought was absolutely incredible in this movie i mean she I, honestly she gives one of my favorite performances of the year in this film I mean, she carries the whole movie. Mm-hmm. She's tremendous. I mean, we've been getting a lot of great performances in the horror films this past uh, decade, really. And uh, th- this is this is one of the standout horror performances of the year. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what else to say without kind of giving away certain stuff about the movie. I mean, the trailer already reveals so much. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, all I've got to say is, I think by the second half of the film, there's uh, a lot of kind of very interesting sequences and stuff. Uh, the movie really, I think. It doesn't really have anything new or profound to say, but there there is like some social commentary on mental health, which I, I thought was uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me a little bit, I guess, of the of, of of the stuff hereditary had to say. So it's not really necessarily saying anything, you know, again, new or profound. But I appreciated it in this film because I was expecting this again to just be something very kind of mediocre, and. Um, it, it it was fun. It reminded me a lot of again, like those kind of early two thousands movies, like The Ring, but a but a much better version of those films. And I remember when I was a little kid watching those movies, I really enjoyed those films, and I thought a lot of them had really good plots, and uh, they they were good movies. 
but I was always overall kind of a little disappointed by the, by those films and never really went back to them very often. And this is going to maybe sound a little shallow, but I'm, I'm being honest. And I never loved how those movies were PG-13 and how they always held back. Because, you know, while a lot of them, like The Ring and stuff, I thought, you know, they were good movies and had good stories. They, they were very kind of like watered down horror films. And I like that this movie... It feels like those films, but like if they were actually are and they weren't afraid to get a little gruesome and gory and and I appreciated that the film. I appreciate that about the film. But um but yeah, the movie isn't necessarily doing anything new or original. It's 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 familiar to other horror films we've gotten in the past. It's just really, really well done, really well executed, and it's got a great lead performance that uh, helps it tie all together. And it's got a great ending. I think yeah, I, I love the ending of the movie. Uh so Sosie Bacon, who is like Rich was saying, the daughter of Kevin Bacon, Kira Cedric. Uh, I've seen her in uh, Mayor of Easttown. She was mm-hmm. she had a bit part in that, and she was very good in that. And also, I watched the like maybe the first two seasons seasons of Thirteen Reasons Why, and she was in that. She was I had a small part in that, and I thought she was, I thought she was like wow, this is a really great actress in in the in the making. So this is like her first like big leading role in the film, or I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that that's great. I mean that's great because you know, she she completely carries the movie. And honestly, if 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 the performance wasn't as good as what she was bringing, I don't know if the movie would work as well. Because again, it's very familiar, and while it's very well directed and I think well written. Yeah, it's it, it is kind of a, a like a mixture of a bunch of horror films we've seen before. So, like, it's her performance that that that, that really makes it all come together. Yeah, th- this film is uh, written and directed uh, by first time director uh, Parker Finn. He did, he did a good job. Yeah, uh, it seems like it did. Um, and also, uh, this originally was planned to be released on Paramount Plus. Oh, so that's um, smart. They didn't. I think it's yeah. gonna be a big hit. And um, and writer-director Parker Finn, this is based on a short film that he did called Laura mm-hmm. Hasn't Slept. Uh, the film is, is centers on a therapist who experiences this phenomenon where people loses their mind and they have this permanent smile on their face. This is the perfect type of uh, horror movie that, you know, people like nowadays. And then other than Sosie Bacon uh, appearing in the film, also uh, Rob Morgan from Don't Look Up. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, Jesse T. Usher from uh, The Boys, uh, and, Kyle Galliner. Uh, and Cal Penn. Oh, yeah, Cal Penn also. Robin Weigart from Deadwood. All right, so you you definitely recommend this. This is now playing in theaters, so go Yeah, but, but, but nobody didn't into because I think, uh, you know, there may, might be some people who see, you know, 85% of Rotten Tomatoes and might think this is like some reinvention of the wheel. I mean, this, this isn't barbarian. <laughs> so okay. you're, you're saying this is better than bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, everything's better than bodies, <laughs> bodies, bodies. All right. So hit us with another movie that you saw recently in theaters. Well, I, I just watched a movie today. I, I, I watched uh, the woman King a little late, but it finally got around to seeing it. And I had seen so much positive buzz for the movie. I think seeing, you know, critics comparing the movie to Braveheart and comparing it to gladiator really, really got me super excited to see it. And while I think the movie's good, like, in, in all honesty, it's probably just as good as Smile. But the thing is, The Woman King left me very, very disappointed because it, it is not the movie that critics are trying to say it is. It's, it, has, it, it is not Gladiator. It's not Braveheart. It really is more like, um, well, I'll say this. It feels like the movie was, when, it, when, it, when they pitched the movie, when uh, the two white ladies that wrote the movie pitched it, it feels like it feels like they they went to uh, you know to I guess Fox 
and they were like, okay, we got the next big hit. You know Black Panther? Well, we're gonna do Wakanda, but take all the superhero stuff out. And and that's that's our movie. So this doesn't really feel like they were, you know, trying to do something that's like gritty or historically accurate. And I don't mean necessarily historically accurate, like, you know, because we talked about this previously in our previous episode, how there's a backlash for this movie because there's people that don't like that uh, they made changes to history. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I what I what bothered me was that I never I never felt like this movie was something that actually took place in history. Like this felt like just like some complete fabrication, like a Disney movie. I felt like I was watching. Um, I felt like I was watching Black Panther minus the superhero stuff, and mm-hmm. um, and there's just a bunch of cliches and tropes throughout the movie. Like it borrows a lot of a borrow. It borrows a lot of subplots that we've seen in um, in countless and countless movies. And I like at, at times this movie almost even kind of reminded me of uh, of of Avatar because there's there's a little bit of a dances of with wolves type of thing a little bit in this film. But it didn't remind me of Dances with the Wolves. It reminded me of Avatar because this is the complete like Hollywood studio like it's, it's just this. To me, it, it just felt completely soulless. Like I, this this is the type of movie I I don't really like seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's so, not it's not because it's not because of like you know the story. It's because of it just felt so artificial. Mm-hmm. It felt so, so fake. Do you you blame the director or you blame the script more? I blame I blame the con- the conception of the film because I think this movie was conceived as this. I think this was always they always they was pitched as as this movie. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why they didn't go a more kind of grounded approach because I think this if they had gone more realistic if they had gone a bit more grounded and if these kind of subplots in, in the movies and these kind of um, uh, if these cliches had been handled in the way that wasn't cliche, mm-hmm. I think they could have maybe really had something really special here. And I think this could have maybe been one of the best movies of the year, but as it is, it's very safe. And I think this is, it's really like a kid's movie. It's a children's movie. It's a family movie. And I, I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't think this approach that they took for this movie fits it at all. And I could admire it because I, I can admire it in ways because I do think that that this is a movie that little girls would see, especially young black girls, and they will get something out of it. But I also do think they would have got something out of it if they had gone a bit more grounded and less safe, because mm. this is a very safe movie. You said something before we recorded something interesting. You said this is this is a perfect film for families. Uh, you think uh, you know our family members would probably love this. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think my, I think my mom would love this movie. If our father was still around, I think he would really enjoy this. I I might I know my aunts and uncles would really like this movie. And I think Richard might like it more than me, but <laughs> it's more mainstream. It's more mainstream. It's a main it's a mainstream movie. And yeah. I, and I don't like mainstream movies, I guess. It is, it is very glossy and very clean and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that it, it feels more like 1980, like Hollywood's version of 1980s Africa. You remember how in 1980s Hollywood 1980s mm-hmm. movies like depicted Africa in a certain way? It feels like more like that. I never felt like I was watching the movie that took place in the actual era it was supposed to be taking place. And it's like that, at least to me, it's like that Michael Jackson music video. <laughs> remember the time? <laughs> no, but Gina Prince, by the way, she directed the uh, Old Guard. Uh, I think that was the last thing she directed. She also did. Love and Basketball, which is a you know a beloved uh, coming of age film, nineties classic. Yeah. Um, also, Beyond the Lights, which is another kind of people like that movie. Uh, this I is kind of her that. first foray in historical action uh, epic. Uh, 
But I, I mean, I was not a big fan of the old guard, uh, the, although critics loved that. I, I, yeah, the old guard felt very mainstream, very, very kind of uh, safe, like you were saying. Uh, yeah, and also another thing about this movie is like the action in the movie. Like, um, and I'm not mad about this necessarily, but that, but I do have to point it out. The action to me never felt real. Mm. It felt like I was watching like Prince of Persia or something like that, the Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> movie based on the video game. Or it felt like I was watching like a like a very you know like Black Panther, but with not as good choreography and stuff like that. But um, it, you know, it felt like a, a studio film. It felt like I was watching an, an action movie or something like that. It didn't feel like I was watching the type of action you see like in a more historically accurate movie or you know something like Braveheart or whatever. It felt more like I was watching a Disney action movie. Uh, it felt like it felt like you were watching like uh, the. Uh... A, 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 like a water world presentation in universal studios. <laughs> no, well, it, it really, it really felt like uh, prince of Persia and, and uh, black Panther. Cause there's a, there, there's a lot of sword fights and the way they're all shot and stuff. It, I was like, is this the prince of Persia from 15 years ago? Uh, Al the cast. Who's like, who's the standout. Okay. Yeah. That, that I gotta say, I think Lashana Lynch is incredible in this movie. Mm. And I'm shocked by that. Cause I, well, Shana Lynch for me was kind of one of those actors where I was kind of just starting to think like I I don't understand how she's like getting cast in movies because I've only seen her in like Captain Marvel and the in the James Bond movie, and in both of those movies I did not think she was good. I did not like her in No Time to Die. I did not like her in Captain Marvel, and I really did not like her in her brief appearance in Doctor Strange. And I was really starting to think that I don't I don't know if she can act, man. Like I don't know if this is the talented actress everyone's saying that she is. But this movie to me actually proved it. I saw it. The, she, she is an incredible actress. Mm. She blew me away with her performance in this movie. She t- totally delivered. And um, the other actress that uh, I was very impressed by, um, I guess her T- name is Thuso Medu. She's basically the lead of the movie. And um, she, yeah, she, she, she was... Uh, amazing in the film i wasn't really i wasn't expecting her to have such a big role but um but i mean yeah keep your eyes on her because she's tremendous uh how about viola davis everyone's saying that she's going to get an oscar nomination for this part uh well, what's your thoughts um, i don't i don't think she is but it's, it's a great performance from her i mean viola davis i don't think is you know I, i've never seen her give a bad performance and this is a great performance from her but i don't think she's gonna get nominated okay. i do think um I think you think maybe Lashana Lynch has a chance. Oh wow! Okay. How about John Boyega? As the- it's supporting. How about John? I, I did not like. I did not like John Boyega in this movie. <laughs> I didn't like John Boyega. I thought he was miscast, and um, he was okay, I guess. But I also didn't like the way that he his character was depicted. He felt like too nice, like such a nice king, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know, this is, whatever. You just go with it. But I'm like this. This 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 character feels like a dude from a Disney movie, definitely. <laughs> All right, so that was your thoughts on the Woman King. So uh, definitely skip this in theaters. Uh, no, you- if you're, I, most people are gonna like it. It's just <laughs> I think if you're like if you're if you want to see something that's you know like Braveheart, this is not it. Okay. If you want to see something like a watered down or not watered down, but if you want to see something like Black Panther but more grounded, this is it, I guess. But definitely check this out when it comes on streaming or VOD, I guess, right? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else have you saw in uh, theaters recently? Or maybe that's it. No, I saw a couple, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, which one. Don't Worry Darling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Don't Worry Darling last Thursday. 
And I went into this movie expecting a bad movie. Uh, I did not like Booksmart, Olivia Wilde's directorial mm-hmm. debut. I thought it was, uh, I, I, I thought it was really bad, actually. I, I did not like it at all. I, I, I think the only thing I really appreciated about um, Booksmart was that I 100% totally bought that uh, uh, Caitlin Deaver, I think that's the name, and Benny Felton. I totally bought their friendship. I totally bought that those characters had been friends for like, you know, like their whole lives or whatever. And and I love their chemistry. What ruined it for me is I didn't like their characters, but but I totally bought you know their friendship. And I thought uh, Olivia Wilde did a good job of directing those two actresses. That's the that's about all positive I can say about Booksmart. So I went into uh, Don't Worry Darling um, expecting it to be a bad movie because critics are crapping on it, saying it's like one of the worst movies of the year. And to my surprise, I didn't think it was that bad. (laughs) The reason I didn't think it was that bad is because I think the first two thirds of the movie are actually pretty good. Um, And once you get to the third act of the movie, it does completely fall apart. But I, for me, that still doesn't take away from the first two acts. And I think the first two acts to me really show that Olivia Wilde is actually a, a good director. And I, I hate saying that. <laughs> I hate saying that, but she's, she's, a, she's a good director. She, she, she has an eye for this and she has, uh, she has a way of building tension and of building suspense. And I was very surprised by how very well made this movie was. And I think part of the reason why critics aren't having the reaction that I'm having to this is because they actually like Booksmart. <laughs> so they, they, they like Booksmart and they were expecting this to be, you know, a good movie. And so for them, it's, I understand why they hate it. Cause you know, if I watch a movie from a director I love and I, I love his directorial debut and then I go see a second movie and it's a piece of crap, I'm going to have the same reaction. But um, the, 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 the real truth is that, uh, yeah, Olivia Wilde did a really good job directing this movie and, the problem with this movie is the screenplay. Mm-hmm. The screenplay for this movie is, uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's really bad. It's really half baked. And I think what what's very frustrating about the movie is I think if this had been a short, a short like a Black Mirror episode, I think it would have. I think you could totally get away with it, even with the way the ending is now. I think you could get away with it because it's it'd be like a quick story, right? So once you get to the whole reveal and the whole twist, you don't even think about it all that much. But this movie, it has so much buildup to it. You know, the first, it's like a, a two-hour movie, and the, the first two acts are filled with so much kind of mystery and suspense. And you already kind of, for the most part, have an idea of how it's going to end. When you see the trailer, you have an idea of how the movie's going to end. So once you get to that ending, they don't, they don't really explain how we get there. And, and while the ending is pretty much kind of what I thought it was going to be, they executed it in a way where they just leave you asking more and more questions and the movie you, you would think, okay, well maybe it would ju- maybe they should just end it right there, but it just kind of keeps going and keeps going. And um, you kind of just start asking more and more questions and it just makes less and less sense until it ends. <laughs> so the, the third act of this movie is a complete mess. The script for this movie should have never even been produced. The script was not ready. And, um, I think uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, this was a script that had already been written, and then uh, Olivia Wilde and her book smart screenwriter uh, took it over, and then they rewrote the third act to, I guess, be more of a, uh, I guess, like of an allegory or something about like Jordan Peterson or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, the- <laughs> I, I, I see what she was trying to do, but she didn't, she didn't 
I don't know. She they, they didn't do a good job of it, and I think in many in many ways they kind of um they kind of hurt their narrative. But well, Olivia uh, Wilde has come out and said that Chris Pine, uh, his insp- her inspiration for that character was Jordan Peterson, the the controversial yeah. psychologist who kind of plays into the incel community. Yeah, yeah, and and this is definitely like her interpretation of all of that in the third act. But at the same time, you get to it, and look, I don't like Jordan Peterson. I'm not a Jordan Peterson fan. Of, but when you get to it, it's like, I don't think she really understands like, <laughs> who Jordan Peterson is. Or, like, it's, it's, it's but, but besides all that, forget all that. Yeah, you're yeah. Just going, or just going with it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's not, I think that there could have been ways that you could have made this make sense. And there's ways that you could have made the whole experience, the whole, the whole piece much better. But, happen i can't hear you can't hear anything all right uh, all right so we uh apparently we lost raymond's connection but he uh he just he did say that um he liked it a lot more uh, don't worry darling he liked it a lot more than he expected but it's still not enough for a recommendation to watch in theaters but if you want to see it in, in when, once it come out streaming he definitely recommends that so there you go. I mean, uh, we have a long episode here, so I guess that's enough for us to talk about. We'll come back next week with more movies. Uh, there's definitely some movies that we're going to check out on VOD and streaming. And, of course, Raymond's going to go back to the theaters and watch more movies, and he'll, we'll get his more opinions on films. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Uh, if you want to hear our past episodes, you can go to InsightFlicks.com. we also got a YouTube channel where we do box office, we, a weekly box office uh, report. You can go there, YouTube. And search Inside Flicks. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Bye bye.